when He not only gives us eternal life, but He blesses us with all the material things, Pastor, that we need. Amen. About three years ago or four, I was driving in my car. It was a hot summer evening. Windows rolled down, sunroof open. I'd been working all day. I'm just taking a shower and had to go by my cousin's office and pick up some money that he owed me that I didn't even know about. The goodness of God. The presence of the Lord came into my car. And Jesus said to me, he said, son, my goodness and my mercy has followed you all the days of your life. It is one thing when God, pastor, gives us the scripture, but it is totally different when he says, I, when he personalizes it, it really brings home who he is and what he is and what he has done in my life. When I was a drug addict and alcoholic, when I was in trouble with the FBI, when I was using his name in vain and I was raised in an apostolic home, and for you that use excuses for walking away from God, there is none. It was my rebelliousness when I told my mother, you can't make, make me go to church again. And I knew when I was saying it that I was lying because she wasn't making me. She was teaching me. My mother was a praying woman. My dad was apostolic to the core. He was my mentor. And he taught me what it was like to walk with God, to pray and fast. I was with him, Pastor, when he prayed for people that were dying and they, they lived. It was his work, it was his calling, was ministering to the sick. I saw him pray for a friend that had an ingrown toenail. The man could hardly walk. My dad got his mind off of his pain and his toe by talking to him about the scripture. And I saw my dad silently praying for him. He turned and looked at me and said, Howard, how was your foot? Oh, well, Noah, it don't hurt no more. By the way, my dad's name was Noah. And his, there was 13 of us children. And one day I said, Dad, I don't think Jesus was talking to you when he said multiply, replenish the earth. And he's like, son, what have I told you about that jesting? You know? But if you're here tonight, and you are, y'all can be seated. Walking with the Lord is, is the most important thing that you could ever do. And if you're thinking about quitting, don't. If you think you have a reason to quit on Jesus, you don't. And there's somebody here tonight that's thinking about that. He never quit on us, Pastor. Thank you. I appreciate you, Brother Poole, Sister Poole, Sister Melissa. Enjoy the evening, the meal, and the fellowship. Would like to hear you preach sometime. And a uh, very smart lady right here. From what I've been told. Amen. It's my second time, I think, of meeting. But nevertheless, God is good. Amen. And we are, we are the new Jerusalem that John, the revelator, John, the apostle John, in the vision that God gave him, he saw the bride of Christ, the new Jerusalem, descending from God out of heaven. And we are the city of God. In the Hebrew, the word Jerusalem means the foundation stone or cornerstone. Foundation stone or cornerstone. How many knows that the scripture says there's no other foundation laid than what? Paul said, I have laid. And be careful how you build upon this foundation. And then the scripture says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, tried, 
but it was rejected. And Jesus looked at the priests and the Pharisees and Sadducees and quoted that scripture. And they knew he was talking about himself and it enraged them even more. The scripture says, why did the heathens rage and imagine vain things? But, it, but the, the apostle was telling the high priest and all of them, this had to come to pass and God chose you to do it. Amen. But Abraham, the scripture says, looked for a city. He realized and confessed that he was a stranger and a pilgrim in a strange land. It was, it was normal and it was his country until he met God. And then he became a stranger. We are strangers here. If we're so comfortable in this world that this is the only place we want to live, you need to do some praying. Do some searching. But he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God, whose foundation was not laid by hands. And you know what? We're it. Hebrews 11 chapter says, Seeing that we're compassed about so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight in these sin that does so easily beset us and run this race with patience. And that cloud of witness is all of the Old Testament. And I would add a lot of the saints that have gone on already. Kind of struggling a little bit tonight with the sarcoidosis and pneumonia in my lungs. Had a rough night, but I was laying praying this morning early. Had to get up because I couldn't breathe. And I was praying and talking to the Lord and, and telling him what a healer he is and told him what his promises are. Wasn't demanding. I'm just, I'm an heir. It belongs to us. And I felt my breathing get better. I wasn't struggling. I wasn't coughing. My throat was hurting. My chest was hurting. And I went off to sleep and woke up later and went back to sleep and slept good. His goodness and His mercy is following us. I love you. Appreciate you. Amen. It's just wonderful to be here. Amen. Praise the Lord. And if you will, keep us in your prayers. We need, we need a miracle for Brother Ben. We need God to give us a miracle. And we're believing for that. And when the doctor looks you in the eye and says, this disease you have is in the worst possible place in the heart it could be. And this is one step before heart transplant, what we have done. You're staring that in the face, and the devil would like you to say, oh, that means we need to sit at home, and, and we, we just need to curl up and forget about travel and forget about ministry because, you know, the devil will try his best to get us to stop. But I have found you take care of his business, the Lord's business, he'll take care of yours. And I'm believing the Lord for a miracle. Will you believe with us? Amen. For a miracle. Because his goodness and his mercy has followed us. Oh, yes. He's right beside us, behind us, in front of us, where we've already been and where we're going. He's there. Amen. Would you stand and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Thank you once again, Pastor Sabolchi, Sister Dory. Thank you for everything. We love you. We enjoy coming so much. It always goes by too quickly. Ministry staff of this church, the musicians, oh, the music has been superior. The worship has been so good. And you are poised and ready for revival. And, and don't forget that God has made a lot of promises to this church. They're as good as the day he made them. 
He doesn't fail. He doesn't forget. He doesn't go back on his promises. But we have to be reminded now and again that our timing is not the same as his timing. But it will come to pass. Amen. And tonight I have a story for you. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is in red letters. Jesus was reading this. This is what he came to do. But that does not let us off the hook. Because he went away to prepare a place for us. And we are now his hands, his feet, his voice. We are the ones to step into this role. This is the role of the church. Anything you look around out there and see, it is, the answer is in this scripture. It falls in line with this scripture. What is that song that we have sung so often? There's nothing too dirty that he can't make worthy. You and I categorize sin. He doesn't. There is nothing impossible. There's no one too far gone. No one too dirty. As long as there's breath in the body. The problem is not on God's end. The problem is on our end. Because we lack compassion. Because we're desensitized. Because we don't pray enough. That's the problem. My end, your end. Tonight, for your hearing, a message I preached here before, 10 years ago. Get off of the devil's Ferris wheel. You may be seated. I don't have any notes tonight. That ought to make your heart glad. <laughs> Get off of the devil's Ferris wheel. I'm going to tell you a story, and then we're going to apply it to ourselves. But the Lord has been dealing with me the last several weeks and months on a particular topic. I think that getting off of the devil's Ferris wheel can mean so many different things to so many people. It is not just a Ferris wheel going around and around of sin, but it can be complacency. It can be that Ferris wheel of strongholds. It can be things in your life that you have not forgiven. It can be so many different things. So as I minister tonight, will you not look around and say, oh yeah, that's for them, but they're not here, or I wish my daughter could hear that, or I wish so-and-so could hear this, or I'm going to send this to so-and-so. No, will you, along with me, I'm going to be looking at me as I talk. And let God personalize it tonight for you. I was a little girl that loved her daddy. You hear me talk a lot about my dad because he was my hero, my best friend. I lost him at the age of 25. He died of leukemia. A very wise man, but a very simple man. A character, if you would. Everyone loved my dad. My dad had a big, beautiful smile. And when my dad laughed, no sound came out of his mouth. You ever seen anybody do that? His whole body shook. And his eyes twinkled, but no sound came out. I can still hear my dad's voice so many times in my life. He was my hero. So no better day for a little girl than dad to come sit on the side of the bed and say, get up, get up, I'm going to spend the day with you. My dad worked two jobs. He worked in a shoe factory during the day and then retired from there and went on to work for the city of Columbus, Ohio, Parks and Recreation, a supervisor. And then in the evening, he went and drove a wrecker for a filling station. And even in the winter months when it was icy and, and snow on the ground, and I can remember daddy coming home at 10, 11 o'clock at night with his pants legs frozen to his legs have to put him down in the tub to even get his legs unfrozen from his pants legs. He was working for our family so mom could stay home with us kids. 
Sometimes mom would let us just stay awake to say goodnight, daddy, because he was gone a lot. So what a special day. Get up. I'm taking you someplace very special today. I was only about five years old. When the Lord brought this story back to my mind, I had to call my mother, and, and I had to fill in the details. And as the story was coming back, God was bringing it back to my mind. I had my mom reiterate and help me remember because I was just a little child. But I remember quite well being so excited that it was just me and dad and my two mean, mean ugly stuff. I mean, my nice sisters were, were going to be with mom, and I, I was going to be just, just me and daddy, the baby girl. We got in the car. That was in the days where you stood in the middle of the front seat, you know, with your arm around your parent. No seatbelts. If you got tired of standing up there, you went to the back glass where all the dead flies were and slept in the, on the carpet by the back glass. <laughs> they don't make cars like that anymore with a, <laughs> with a bed. <laughs> oh, yeah, those were the days. And so I'm, bu I'm bugging him. Now, I've told you, I, I am quite aware that I had attention deficit disorder with hyperactivity long before they knew what it was. There were no pills, and, and they used a lot of good, firm discipline and love. And, and if you channel all that in the right direction, God uses wiggly kids. Amen. And it has afforded me the energy to do what I have been able to do in life because God made me that way. I'm glad I wasn't in a day and time where I was labeled and medicated. Just saying. So here I am, Daddy, where are we going? Where are we going, Dad? And, and him trying to, to keep me quiet and, and chattering a mile a minute. And it wasn't very long until I realized we were going to a little fair. I had never been to any place like that. And here in the sky was a huge Ferris wheel going around and around. And I saw all the other activities and rides and sights. And my heart is beating so fast. Oh, I'm so excited. Really? We're going here? Yes, we're going here. We get out of the car and I take off running. No matter how many times they said, don't, don't run away. <laughs> I took off running. My dad called me back to, to reality <laughs> and grabbed my little hand. Stop running from me. Stay with me. Walk with me. You ever just get a little bit ahead of the Lord? Walk with me. I'm here to walk beside you. Quit running ahead of me. Most of the trouble I've gotten into in life is because I got ahead of God. Causes big messes. Stay with me. Daddy's holding my little hand in his, and we walk into that park, and, and I run. I, I get loose, and I run straight for the Ferris wheel. I'm in line. Come on, Dad. Come on. I'm going to ride this first. Dad wasn't smiling. He got to the Ferris wheel, and the line was already long in front of me, and now it's long, getting long in back of me. But when he got to me, he took my hand and took me out of that line. He said, come with me. We're, we can't go there first. Children don't really understand why parents seem to always mess things up. <laughs> we got our own little plan, and why do adults have to spoil everything? I'm thinking those very thoughts as dad is taking me away. He's pulling me away from what looks like it's going to be so much fun. And he says, come over here. You have to come over here. I don't want to go over there. We're getting in a very long line. And the long line has a little white house with a man inside it. He looks like he hates children. I, I don't want to line up at that little white house with the man that hates children. I, I want to go ride the fun rides. But you see, he knew something I did not know. Your heavenly father knows something ahead of you that you don't know. He knows what's best for you. I'm not, I'm not happy. Dad, why are we going here? Why are we going up there to that little house? I don't want to talk to the man. What are the people doing? Why are we doing this, Dad? And he's not saying anything, like, just like your heavenly father. Sometimes he just is quiet. Doesn't mean he's not working. We finally 
get up to that little window. And I'm so curious. And I look at that man and I'm thinking, what in the world? Why are we here? And the man smiles. And I realize when he looks down and smiles at me, he's, he doesn't hate children. And, and this might be okay after all, but why are we here? My dad takes out his wallet and takes a bunch of money. It looks like a lot, probably a bunch of ones, and lays them on the counter. And he says, give me this much worth of tickets. You old timers, remember, that's how things were bought. Give me $2 worth of candy. Give me $5 worth of gas. That's how they spent money back then. That was not uncommon. Give me as many tickets as I can get for this amount. That old man began to pull off those tickets and pull them off of a big, long spool. And he counted them and he tore them off. And my dad handed him the money because it doesn't come without a price. It costs. You don't ride without a cost. A price has to be paid for the ticket. And my dad reaches through to get them. And I jerked those tickets out of dad's hands and said, I want to hold them. And dad said, no. You, you won't hold them. Because he knew a little child wouldn't know the worth wouldn't know the value. He folded those things up tenderly and put them in his shirt pocket right next to his heart because he knew the value. A price was paid for the ticket. It did not come free, my friend. And when you come to an old-fashioned altar and you get your ticket for that final ride to heaven, it costs something. It costs the Lord Jesus Christ everything. He took out his wallet and laid it all down and said, give me as much as it costs for everyone to make heaven how much blood did it cost hallelujah daddy has the tickets and then he finally pulls me out of that line and we go toward the ride Oh, boy, this is what I'm waiting for. I can't wait to ride that. Just me and my dad. We get in line, and that line is so long. And, and I, I don't really want to stand in the line. I just want to skip the line. I, I, I want to ditch everybody. I want to get up to the front. But you see, life is a line. You can't get to heaven any faster than what Jesus says it's time to go. The doctor may say you're going to die, but you won't die until the Lord says it's time hallelujah because there's a process there's a line we're all in that line and you're not going to get to the front of the line until it's time hallelujah daddy said now count the people and, and count the seats and you can figure out there's just going to be four more times and, and, and he's teaching me I'm being patient I'm watching as the people going around and around I'm getting more excited you see I'm getting more excited about heaven as I see our elders buried as I see those that have gone on before us as I see the signs in this world all around us every prophecy's been fulfilled Jesus is coming and I'm getting more and more excited every day hallelujah I can't wait to get there <laughs> that old song says don't you weep for me when I'm gone you hear about me passing don't you weep for me you put a smile on your face and say hallelujah she made it that's all she ever wanted hallelujah it's our turn Daddy sticks out those tickets. That man has his hand out. Because we're not riding without a ticket. We're not riding because we're good. We're not riding because mom and dad rode. We're, we're not riding because we're there at the park. You're not going just because you come to church and sit on the pew and pay your tithes. you got to have a ticket. If you lost your ticket in a mud puddle, you stuck it in a drawer, you're not sure it's still valid. You better make your way to an altar and get a new ticket. Hallelujah. <laughs> Daddy said, now that seat's going to come around and I'm going to help you because you, it's hard to get up on there. You have to jump backwards to get up on that seat. You know, even adults, I, I, I get still yet to this day, I get willied out when I have to do that real fast. You know, it's still moving. It's coming behind me. 
And I got to get up there real fast. Daddy helps me. And we get up in that little seat and sit back. And there is a man. It's his job. It's his only job. He's down on the end right before the thing goes up in the sky. He's right on the end. And you know what his job is? He takes this big metal bar and he pushes it down. Clank. And then he pulls back up to make sure that it's locked. Why? Safety. Because the first thing I did was lean all the way forward. (laughs) I'm holding on to that bar and I'm looking way down and I'm rocking the seat back and forth. And my dad says, stop it. Sit back all the way back and quit rocking the thing. It'll rock itself. Because I had no fear. I'm a child. I just, I'm going to try it all. But thank God for the voices in our lives that have that job of pulling that safeguard down in front of us that tell us what this book says that helps us walk in holiness and godliness and tells us not to give up and not to quit and that we need to stop doing this or stop doing that. We need that bar down in front of us locked in to protect us. I don't want to backslide. I don't want to fall out. I don't want to fall away from God. Don't despise those voices of your pastor, the evangelist, the preachers, the teachers, the parents. Don't despise their voices. They're trying to keep you safe. Because you won't go up if you're not on the ride. It's going up. Just me and my dad. Oh, this is the moment I've been waiting on. It's going higher and higher. And I'm looking at dad and he's grinning real big. My dad was always real careworn. He worked so hard, so tired, but not today. Oh, my dad was laughing out loud. And I was giggling out loud. And oh, that first time that that thing goes all the way up to the top. And then it starts back down the other side. And your stomach flies up in your mouth. It feels terrific. And I'm screaming and laughing and giggling and dad's laughing and things don't get any better than that. We're going around and around that cool breeze blowing. It just reminds me of the day sitting on the front row. A chubby, freckle-faced little girl 51 years ago gave her heart to Jesus. Brother Billy Cole came down and put that big hand on top of my little head. And I began to speak with other tongues. They took me to the water. And I went down in Jesus' name. And it was just me and Jesus starting out together. Oh, what a life. Just me and him. <laughs> Doesn't get any better. Little did I know what would be on that pathway. The things I'd have to face. The troubles that would come. That I'd bury my mom and my daddy both. That I'd bury a sister and a brother. All too young. That I would walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That I would walk through brokenness, betrayal, abuse. Little did I know what would be on that road. You see, I'm just going around and around. Just me and Jesus. You know, once you give your heart to Jesus, everything's going to be perfect, right? Oh, I would that it were so. But we've got a story. We've got a life to live. We're having the time of our life. But I'm counting down. I'm already asking, can we get back on? Because it's going to be over in a minute. That's how short life is. It's but a vapor. Just go around and around. You wait all that time. You go around five little times and you're done. We're going around and around and everything's great. And then we hear a noise. You you don't want to be on a ride and hear the clanking of bolts. The snapping of cables. Those of you that are brave enough to ride the roller coasters, you know what I'm talking about. I think everybody ought to ride a roller coaster very often. 
because never have I been more repentant and closer to the Lord than on that top of that hill, that last drop. When I'm not, not sure if I'm going to live. And there's no way out and you can't get off. I've hear, heard grown men cry for their mamas. <laughs> and you're looking down knowing this was the dumbest thing I've ever done. Why did I do this? You're repenting of everything and including being dumb enough to ride that ride. When you make it to the bottom of the hill and your stomach comes up in your mouth and you doesn't want to go back down. And, and you feel like your neck is broken and your back is, is out of place and... You hit the ground and say, let's do it again. Something wrong with that picture. Human nature. Oh, yes, we heard a noise. It was not the clanking of bolts or the snapping of cables we heard, thank God. But it was something pretty bad. It's a noise you should only hear when you are alone in the restroom. You see, not everyone can ride rides. Some of you have been nodding your head because you found out there's really only one way to find out. It ruins your day. The day you find out, it ruins that day. It ruins someone's day. You see, there was a loving mother who took her little child to the amusement park. She let the child have some fun and some food and bought some tickets and she put her on the ride, the first time she'd ever been on a ride. They were positioned just catty corner right above us. As we are flying through the air, having the greatest time of our life, everything is going great. It couldn't be better. We hear this awful noise. <laughs> and flying through the air now is something <laughs> indescribable. And as it lands on my head and down my little pigtail and all over my white t-shirt and all over my dad's hairy arm, I am screaming and screaming and everything changed in a moment. I am horrified. I can smell it. I can see it. The sun is beating down. We are flying through the air with someone else's chili dogs all over us just swallow hard you'll be okay I'm screaming at the top of my lungs I'm nearly inconsolable and my dad is saying it's going to be alright I'm here I'm going to help you Everything's going to be okay. Sometimes we cannot hear our Heavenly Father because we are absolutely out of our minds. You have to teach yourself to be still and know. To wait just a moment. Daddy had an answer for the moment. He took out a big bandana handkerchief out of his pocket. He began to wipe off my face. He began to wipe off my little arm. He, he began to run that through through my, my pigtail. Daddy began to console me and hold me. I was inconsolable. What I did not expect to happen, happened. In a moment, everything changed. One phone call, one visit to the doctor, one day can change your life. But I had to get quiet. Now I'm whimpering. I, I, I'm quiet and I'm whimpering. And dad's got his big arms around me and he's holding me. And he said, baby, it's going to be okay. I'm going to get you off of here. We're going to get all cleaned up. Everything's going to be all right. I'm weeping and crying. And, and we're watching the ride slow down. And sure enough, people are getting off the ride. We're watching. And, and they're, they're going very slowly and stepping off the ride. And my dad's distracting me you see when you're going through things let me help you it is not a good idea to stay at home and waller in it and think about it and pine about it and worry about it and give up on church and give up on God and get mad about everything. It is important that you distract yourself with what? The word of God, with the spirit of God, with prayer. Get to church. Be at every activity. Turn on gospel music. Don't distract yourself with things of the world don't let the devil fill the void 
Let Jesus fill the void. He was distracting me. I was watching the people get off. And here goes mama with that little girl. And she's got her all hugged up. And, and the little girl's holding her tummy. And she's walking her down the midway. And I'm watching them as they leave. That's the little girl right there. She did it. She puked on me. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been real dumb? If I would said, I hate that little girl. I'm going to hate her the rest of my life. Because she threw up on me. But hurting people hurt other people. So for you to continue to hold something against someone else that hurt you is the same thing as me hating the little girl who put her yuck on me. Somebody put their yuck on you. You were abused. You were battered. You were, you were hurt. You were betrayed. You went through a horrible divorce. You had parents that didn't know how to parent. On and on and on. All of your hurts. Let me help you tonight. Let me remind you mostly that it is not okay for you to go the rest of your life and say, you know what? I'll never understand why they did that to me. And I can't forgive them. And I can't forget about that. And it's running your life. Somebody came to me this morning. And I'm just going to tell you, that person's come to me every time I've come to this church with the same song but 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 it was a preacher but 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 they did this and they did that but but I I, I just I, I try to get over it and I, but 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 it's the same thing as me hating a little girl for throwing up on me hurting people hurt other people the people that hurt you they were hurt when are we going to start applying this verse in Luke? He came to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised. When are we going to start reaching out with compassion and seeing people like he sees them instead of seeing the sin, seeing the hurt, seeing all the other things? When are we going to start letting him flow through us where we can win our world? Are we guilty of looking at someone like this man that came to the altar this morning and said, well, he'll never last? I hope not. Because he deserves the same chance to try. He deserves every opportunity. Well, well what about the prostitute? That's, that's just awful. That's nasty. That's terrible. She deserves the same opportunity that you and I got. And you know why she's doing that? Because she's broken. She's hurt. But you see, we have dirty sins and not dirty sins. And we judge. Because we got it all together now. But let me tell you, except for God's grace, there go you and I. <laughs> You and I could be homeless and on drugs and alcohol and prostituting and all of those things if it weren't for His grace. And there comes the point that the church has to get clean once and for all and get off the devil's Ferris wheel and realize what he's done for us and quit looking backwards and quit wallowing in self-pity and well up with compassion for souls. You can't help anybody else as long as you're still worrying about you. I had a dream that I was in an accident. I was badly injured. They put me on a, a, a board and they put an IV in and they wrapped my head up and they wrapped my neck up and I was bleeding and they were putting pressure on wounds all over me and, and I was crying in pain. It was a horrible dream. It was so real. And they said, it's okay. We're going to get you someplace. They're going to take care of you. And they were doing everything they could. 
I remember just every bump in that ambulance was hurting, hurting, hurting. They got me out of that ambulance. They wheeled me in the ER, and I'm thinking, I'm going to get help now. Somebody's going to be there to help me. They wheeled me in the ER, and they patted my shoulder and said, we got to go to another accident, but, but we've got you somewhere where they'll take care of you. And they left me, and I was laying on that gurney all by myself, and I was staring at the ceiling, and I don't hear anything, and nobody comes. And finally, with a lot of pain, I turned my head to the left, and here's doctors and nurses. And they're all on hospital beds, hooked up to IVs. And they're moaning. And they said, sorry, we can't help you. We're hurting too bad ourselves. We're, we're sick ourselves. I look to the right, and there's hospital beds, and there's doctors and nurses. There, there's surgeons. They're all hooked up. They're, they're all got IVs. They've all got some on ventilators, and, and they're shaking their head. We, we, we can't help you. Sick people don't help other people. That's why you got to get off the devil's Ferris wheel. You got to make up your mind. This is not about me anymore. I got to get to every prayer meeting. I got to fast and pray for the lost. I got to begin to look around at the lost and dying world around me. I got to start telling everybody I see about Jesus. And if you don't feel it, then pray until you do. Lord, I, I'm sorry. I just don't feel compassion for the lost. I just don't have that. I can't weep for him. I don't feel it. Then you just be honest with God and you repent of it. And you get in the prayer room and you stay until his compassion falls on you. Until you give birth to a burden for the lost. And you begin to weep and you begin to feel it on your insides. We're desensitized to where we don't even feel compassion. Jesus healed when he was moved with compassion it's over and over in scripture every time I've ever seen a miracle I'm going to tell you right before the miracle took place something tied up in me like a knot and I felt it so deeply sometimes I felt the individual's pain I would be weeping and sobbing and I would feel something come over me it was supernatural compassion and then God did a miracle the way it works it doesn't work in our flesh we're going around and around people are getting off daddy says I'm gonna I'm gonna be be getting this this little bar the man's gonna be there and we're, we're next honey we're, we're the last ones it's our turn that Ferris wheel is coming around and I'm so thankful because now I'm thirsty and I'm hot and I'm, this is stinky and, and I just want out of this mess and, and I've cried my little heart out and, and I know everything's going to be alright because daddy's with me and the, the seat comes around and, and it, to our shock, to our surprise, our seat doesn't stop and it's going back up and it goes up to about the second seat from the top. It takes a moment for dad to process. He's looking around. Maybe, maybe we weren't the last ones. He's looking around. It takes a minute. And in that moment, we watch the man take his big set of keys and lock a little box. And he walks off down the midway. He thought everyone was off the ride. Now my dad's screaming. Both of us are screaming, help, help, you left us up here. And nobody hears. You know why? Because down there, step right up, five balls for $2, get it in the hoop, popcorn, candy corn. I did that pretty good, didn't I? They're having their own parties. You think you're going to get your help in the world? You're not going to get it down there. They're doing their own thing. They're having their own parties. That's why no amount of counseling is going to deliver you. I believe in counseling, and I believe it's good and needed by times. But I'm telling you, most of the counsel I've gotten is on my knees in an old-fashioned altar from the Word of God. Because down there in the world, they're not going to help you. My help cometh from the Lord. 
we're sitting one seat from the top and the sun is hot and beating down on us. <laughs> and I'm weeping and crying. And my dad every once in a while would holler and no one heard. And dad says, they're going to come back, honey. He probably just went to get a mop and a bucket and they're going to come back. It's going to be all right. But when? When is this trial going to be over? When is God going to heal? When is he going to move? When's he going to save my unsaved loved one? When? I'm asking dad, when? I don't know, baby, but it's going to be all right. I'm getting a sunburn. I'm thirsty. I asked my mama. She said somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes. We sat up there. Now no breeze blowing, 90 degrees in the hot sun in the afternoon. No one knows we're there. And my dad finally says, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this. Well, what are you, what are you going to do, Daddy? Well, I'm going to slide all the way over to the end of this seat. And you see those cross beams down there? They go like this. It holds this big thing up in the sky. I'm going to get over there on that, and I'm going to climb down. My dad was 52 years old at that time. I, I'm going I'm to climb to the bottom. You can't leave me. Don't leave me, Daddy. Oh, I wouldn't think of leaving you. He'll never leave you, nor forsake you. You're not alone. If you feel alone, it's because you're listening to the devil. Because you're never alone. Oh, no, baby. What you're going to do is you're going to slide all the way to the end of this seat. And you're going to stand up. I'm going to have one hand on you. One hand on that bar. And you're going to leap into my arms. You're going to wrap your little legs around my waist. And your little arms around my neck. You're going to ball up the back of my shirt. In your hand. And you're going to lay your head right on daddy's chest. And close your eyes. Don't open your eyes. Oh, daddy, I don't, I don't think I can do it. Sure you can. Lord, I don't think I can get through this one. <laughs> sure you can. Look at all the things I brought you through. Sure you can. Wow, what faith it took in Daddy. What trust for a little girl not to just flat refuse, but to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Some of you, the Lord's been talking to you, but you refuse to obey. Do what he tells you. Do what the word tells you. As bad as I was dreading it and I was afraid, I obeyed. I slid down to the end of that seat and stood up on little shaky legs. <laughs> and I held on real tight and I jumped into daddy's arms. <laughs> And I couldn't get my head on his chest quick enough and close my eyes tight because he was carrying me. No fear when he's carrying you. I heard his labored breathing as he's climbing down. It wasn't a ladder. It was just metal, crossed metal, Posts holding up the Ferris wheel. 
But he got all the way to the bottom and our feet hit the ground. And he held me. And I cried and cried and cried with relief. Because it was over. Some of you refuse to let it be over. God got you through it. He carried you. But you won't let it be over. You keep looking back. I could have maybe ended up in a psychiatrist's office with trauma and all of that. I didn't even remember the story till I was an adult. Because it was over. Dad took care of it. He quickly took me to a little table. And he said, now I want you to pick out a clean, a clean shirt. You can have any one you want. Get a, get a little size six and pick out the one you want. And I was never allowed to get something special like that at one of those tables where the swords are $15. <laughs> I got a Minnie Mouse t-shirt, a pink one. Dad led me over to the restroom. He said, now, baby, I want you to go in there and put your hair down in the sink and clean out your pigtail real good and get paper towels and dry it. And, and then I want you to wash your face and wash your hands and arms. And I'm going to be waiting for you right out here. I want you to go in the bathroom stall and I want you to take off that old dirty T-shirt and put on your clean garments. But, but what I do with this old one, I, I, I'm going to keep this one right this is my favorite one. I wore my favorite shirt today. Oh, no. You're going to throw that one away. What used to be your favorite can't be your favorite anymore. The old man has to die. You get a clean garment. He washes you clean. You run into a lot of trouble when you try to keep your old garment. I did just what he told me, and I came out, and I was grinning with my wet pigtail First words out of my mouth. You think they got that cleaned up to where we could ride it again? The beauty of a child. Can we ride the tilt a whirl now? Can we do the bumper cars, Dad? See, except you become as a child, you'll not enter in. That's how every day ought to be. Can we do this today, Lord? Can we win another soul today? Will you send me somebody to teach a Bible study to? Could you send me a waitress or a waiter that's hungry for you today, Lord? Could you open a door for me to talk to my coworkers? Forgetting that you got the door slammed yesterday. That's a kid. Oh, to have that childlike faith. Dad's not talking. He's walking me away from everything. And I'm talking a mile a minute and dad's just quiet and he's holding my little hand lest I get away. And he said, come on, come with me. And, and, and I'm, I'm just, I see the car out there. I see the parking lot. We're walking towards the gate. But daddy, I don't, I don't want to go home. We got all those tickets, remember? We got a lot of stuff to do yet, dad. This is our special day, remember? I, I, I don't want to go home, daddy. He's walking me to the gate. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm feeling the tears coming. I'm, I'm getting ready to, to really bust out in tears because I know what's happening. He's taking me to the car. I see the car out there. We get right to the gate. And my dad, in his wisdom, grabbed my little shoulders. And he turned me around. And he looked down into my eyes and he said, Baby, we're going to start this day over. beginning after somebody put their yuck all over you imagine that he cleans you up gives you a new garment and lets you start all over no matter what you have been through divorce abuse a past of drugs and alcohol your wounded spirit from your childhood no matter what has you going around and around and around there's a way of escape he came to heal the broken and hearted 
to set at liberty them that are bruised, to set the captive free, to open the blinded eyes. And the answer is at the ticket booth called the altar. And that man doesn't hate you. He loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or what someone has done to you. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday or this morning. If you'll bring it to the altar, He is there. He'll pick you up. He'll carry you. He'll see you through. But until you have done that, you cannot be any good to this broken world. I am convinced the reason why we are not winning our world is we refuse to be whole ourselves. And without being whole, you don't feel compassion for anyone else. It's always about you. About you getting to church for one more good message, one more good song, one more cry, one more time for somebody to pray for you. If I'm not talking to you tonight, you don't have to receive that. But perhaps you're on the roller coaster or the Ferris wheel of carnality. I'll tell you something. I turned a corner in my life where Brother Vernon can tell you, if someone gets hurt in an accident on the side of the road, I'm weeping. We stayed in a little campgrounds in our camper, and right across the way was a, a rodeo. And you might think this is funny. We decided to go over and just partake a little and watch them ride those what do you call it? Bucking Broncos. <laughs> Supposed to be entertaining. Man got thrown and the horse kicked him in the face. And they were making jokes about now how he's still going to be pretty. The ambulance came. I'm sitting there weeping, Sister Melissa. I tell my husband, I can't do this. I, I got to get out of here. But that never happened to me as long as I was watching NCIS. Ouch. As long as I watch cops, as long as I'm desensitized to hurt and pain, it's the devil's workshop to keep the church desensitized. Think about it. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm sharing. You're watching criminal minds and you're, you're watching junk. It desensitizes you. You're on a Ferris wheel. The devil loves it because you'll never see hurting people. You'll never have that compassion well up in you for the lost when you're living in a fantasy world. But when I cut off all of those things that were not of God, I became hypersensitive to the world and their brokenness and their hurting. I want to win souls, but it's going to take Vicki Vernon getting self out of the way, not thinking about my past and what's happened to me, realizing I'm whole, I'm set free, I'm forgiven. God took me off of that thing and set me free. Now i got to help other people. And it only happens when I get in the altar and birth a burden for the lost. Weeping, making sure I'm not getting up from here until I have given birth to a love for souls. So, the good thing is you're at the gate. And you've been turned around. And you can start all over. So whatever part of this message applied to you, then now it's time to stand. And perhaps you need to go back one more time and forgive those who hurt you. 
and ask the Lord to help you to stop revisiting it and not to lay it to their charge. Perhaps you need to forgive yourself because you still blame yourself. God doesn't blame you. No one else blames you, but you blame yourself. Put your palms up and say, Lord, I forgive myself. I give this to you. Your blood will cover it. Or perhaps it's time for you to give birth to a love for the lost. You need the Holy Ghost tonight, your night. But as they come and begin to sing, would you move out of your seats? God's doing a deep work in this building right now. This should not be a quiet prayer. There should be some travailing right now. God's going to close some doors and open some others. Ilonor Ramani.